the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Your Discipleship Coach with Michael Smith. Each week, Michael uses his coaching expertise to encourage you to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. Michael is a professional certified leadership, business, and life coach, serving as president of Professional Coach University, executive director of New Normal Coaching, and the lead pastor at Northwest Church. To learn more, visit yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. Partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Here's Michael. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Your Discipleship Coach, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. I'm your host, Michael Smith, and I'm here to encourage you to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. If you've been listening to our show, we are wrapping up a mini-series right now on the corporate disciplines. Today's show is called The Corporate Discipline of Worship. So I'm actually ending the third mini-series that uses Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline, as a guide, uh, suggested disciplines to consider. And so these mini-series have unfolded this way. We talk through the inward disciplines, the outward disciplines, and today we wrap up the corporate disciplines. So as we've talked about this, our first episode in this mini-series, we talked about confession. Last week, we talked about guidance and celebration. But today, today we are talking about the corporate discipline of worship. So I hope that you're excited for this. And what I encourage you to consider is the goal of this show. We want to be an encouragement to you to take something spiritual, something biblical, something that God speaks, and then apply it to your life every day. When I think about the spiritual disciplines, for example, the discipline of worship, this practice of worship will help us to to know God, but to also practice his mission. And, and these disciplines, like worship, will help us strengthen our walk with God. I want us to think about what we've said in all of these mini-series, and especially it's true for worship. Worship and all of these disciplines help us to do two things. First of all, to express our pursuit of God. So as we worship God, it is an expression that we are seeking him first, and we long to know who God is. But it also, in addition to expressing our pursuit of God, it expands our pursuit of God. So applying these disciplines makes our pursuit broader, more impactful, and effective. So thinking about that as you listen in today, let's think through the idea of practicing worship as a discipline in our spiritual lives. See, worship music, let's talk about music for a moment. Music is is so different today than it was when I was a kid. 
And I don't know what tradition that you're in. I, I can speak about my tradition, but it was more common in my worship experience that in years past, 20, 30 years ago, we would do these events that we called hymn sings. So we would gather around maybe on a Friday night or a Sunday night and the congregation would gather and we would sing hymns. Actually, this is almost embarrassing. I hope that the family of my families that were in my home church growing up skip this episode because I want to, to to share something. So I was a church kid and we did these hymn sings. And for a while, you could actually call out a page number in a hymn. And so me and my friends, we, we sort of tried to play stump the, the worship leader and call out a hymn number that they wouldn't know. But we, we exaggerated the point in that we had these little hymnal racks. And after every song, we would slam our hymnal closed. We would slam our hymnal in the hymn rack. When the next page was called, we would we would pull the hymnal out and scrape it against the rack so it would made, make as loud of a sound as possible. It comes on out. One particular hymn sing, we did that. We slammed the hymnal. We put it in the hymn rack. They called the number. We pulled the hymnal out, and we actually ripped the hymnal rack right off of the pew. So if you're here, don't judge me. I mean, hey, think about it. I was a 14-year-old kid in a hymn sing, so I want to say I had something going for me there. But what's interesting about the hymns is many of the hymns were songs that were converted from a secular song uh, and rhythm to a more spiritual song. And I think about the hymns that have impacted my life. Hymns like this, The Old Rugged Cross, Power in the Blood, Amazing Grace, Blessed Assurance, How Great Thou Art, Great is Thy Faithfulness, Holy, 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 It is Well, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name, To God Be the Glory, A Mighty Fortress, Crown Him with Many Crowns. You know, the list could be quite long. But these songs bring back moments in our spiritual life. And and then, you know, we hit this next era as we got into the 70s and 80s and early 90s. And, and it's the trapezoidal area. That's my name for it because we would use these overhead opaque projectors and put a trapezoidal shape on the wall and try to use these transparencies to put the words on the screen. But we had powerful worship songs like As the Deer, Open our eyes, Lord. I love you, Lord. This is the day we bring the sacrifice of praise. Of course, Andre couches, Andre crouches through it all. Open the eyes of my heart. Lord, I lift your name on high. But it was a different era than the hymn era. Well, hymns are still enduring today and they're good. And so are these older courses. But today it's, it's different. We have full bands and ambiance in the room and the rooms are dark. And, you know, you think about this listening. If I want to be controversy, I could talk about politics or worship styles. I mean, this becomes controversial in the church. What I want to say today is this discipline of worship should truly be less about what we prefer and more about a call to know God and to acknowledge God and to lift him high. Richard Foster said that worship is our response to the overtures of love from the heart of God. So what happens is we respond to God's greatness. Worship is responding to God as he offers forgiveness and healing and guidance and provision. Worship is not just, you know, honoring God for what he does, but we honor him for who he is. He's a God of mercy and grace, and he is peace, and he is strength. 
Jesus, even when he was tempted, he he called us to worship, and and he he actually uh, uh, overcame temptation through worship. In fact, Jesus said it's recorded in Matthew chapter four verse ten: "You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve." What we learn about worship is it's all about the focus that there is one God, one true God. And as we worship him, as we follow him, as we live for him, we we serve his mission. So worship is acknowledging that there's one true God and life is about him and not ourselves. Deuteronomy says, it is the Lord your God who you shall fear, him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not Go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. What we learn is worship is all about acknowledging who God is, the one true God. I mean, think about what's captured in the Gospels. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. Mark twelve thirty. This means that honoring God is about giving him your everything. So as we talk today about the spiritual discipline of worship, we're talking about expressing and expanding our pursuit of God by offering everything we have to him and deferring everything to his ways. See, this practice of worship, it includes praising him, but it also includes giving thanks to him, but also it includes adoring him and loving him. You know, when we worship, we should have what's called a holy expectancy. I think about Acts chapter 2. It says this, Suddenly there came from heaven the sound of a mighty rushing wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. See, they were worshiping together. They were honoring God. They were praying in his presence. And then this sudden sound, a sudden sound. Say, I don't know, God's sudden sound, truthfully, is to be expected. The suddenness was that it came in a moment. So as we are in worship, as we are calling on God in a moment, I believe that today God still fills the house where we're sitting. Maybe that's alone. Maybe that's in a group. I think about the jail when they prayed, Acts 4.31, the place where they gathered was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They prayed, they sang, they, they worshiped God and God's presence was there. This is what worship is about. It's about giving him our our attention. It's about giving him our thoughts. It's about giving him our hurts and pain and our victories and our rejoicing. The truth is worship is engaging in the presence of God. It's honoring him and recognizing that he is greater than the victories in our life. It's acknowledging that he is greater than the losses in our life. And when we do this, much like the sudden sound of Acts 2, much like the jailer's story, as Paul was in prison and they sang and the prison walls broke and and they released, we know that through worship there is release. Through worship, there is freedom. Through worship, chains are broken. So listen, we're going to talk through this a little bit more in the next half of of this episode as we dig into worship and talking about what it is. And we'll talk a little bit about the corporate worship setting. But I want you to hold tight as you just ponder what we mean when we say we practice the spiritual discipline 
of worship. So we're going to take a break, and I'll be back as we continue this discussion on the spiritual discipline of worship. Let's remember, we're talking about corporate disciplines, and you are part of a corporate body. So hold on to the next half of the show as we talk about the spiritual discipline of worship, and keep listening today on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. We are back. Thank you for staying tuned to Your Discipleship Coach, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. I'm your host, Michael Smith, here to encourage you to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. As you listen, you'll be reminded that we're finishing up a mini-series on the corporate spiritual disciplines, as today we talk about the outward discipline that's the corporate discipline of worship. The corporate discipline of worship. You know, the Christian faith today emphasizes a corporate worship setting, a corporate worship setting where we gather. It's not only private, but it's congregational, it's corporate. I want to tell you a story about a ministry fail in my life, but it produced a learning in my life that that helped me understand really the 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 realities of worshiping God. I'm going to tell you a story about something that I tried called 150 praise. So 150 praise. So I want to back up a little bit. There's a time that I had planted a church and I was the pastor of this church that we planted. And we did this series that we called saturate so there was a worship leader, actually I believe he sang with Sonic Flood. His name is Jeff Dale. He ended up doing solo music and uh, has continued worship ministry many years of his life. One of the songs on an album that he did was also called Saturate. So I began listening to the song during this particular sermon uh, focus, the season that we called Saturate. And it was all about saturating our life with with the presence of the Father. And there was this one event that we did in this this particular series where I gave every attendee a sponge. And they would come up to the bucket and dunk their sponge in the bucket and not wring it out, but walk away from that bucket with a completely filled, dripping wet sponge as a, a sign, a symbol of being saturated with water. We are to be saturated with God and leaving, dripping and overflowing with his presence. Now, part of this experience, I really didn't just teach this. I bought into it and God overflowed in my life to a point that that church that I planted, uh, I actually left that church. They sent me then and I went to help a church that had been dying and struggling to turn them around. And I did not expect that to happen, but that was a result of being saturated with God's presence. Well, this new church I went into, I thought, man, if I got here this way, I I thought, what does this look like? And I just kept with the saturate idea in my own life and organized an event that we called 150 Praise. I actually invited Jeff Deo to come to our church, and and he did. And I envisioned, you know, a great turnout and, you know, just I was ready to get started. And what was interesting is that that particular event event was was a fail, (laughs) 
very few people attended the event. We took a little bit of a financial loss. I didn't get out of the gate well with that event. But I learned something through that that, you know, I mean, I I was kind of that was good for me because I realized that worshiping and praising God truly was not about the success of an event. But it was about knowing who God is and what he does and how he impacts my life and how in my weakness he is made strong. And I learned that praise means we can honor God when we win and when we lose. We can honor God when we get that new job and when we have no job. We can honor God when we're healthy and when we're sick. See, God always is worthy of our praise. And this is the discipline of worship as we talk about it today. But we emphasize a corporate worship where the Bible says, don't neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but be together. Hebrews 10.25, encourage each other even more so until the return of the Lord. And this is why we gather to collectively honor God and to be an encouragement one to another. This idea of corporate worship presents the picture of an idea of unity. Like in Acts, they were all together in one place. And I know we worship God, and but there's something about many people being in the same place together in this concert of worship. You know, the Bible describes us, the church, not as an individual, but as a family, a body, a unit. Biblical fellowship is what we're talking about. But when I think about worship, I think about, well, how does it work? And who is the worship leader? And maybe there are worship pastors at your church. And and I believe that's true. We have worship pastors. I, I get that. But many of our services are actually called worship services. So that the pastor really is the, the worship leader. But one of the things I want us to think about is, although there's a role for a worship pastor and the, the function of a pastor to, to lead that worship service, our one true worship leader is Jesus Christ. He's the worship leader. I actually train our team who leads worship to maybe not be considered worship leaders, but to be considered lead worshipers. <laughs> lead worshipers. See, if we only lead, uh, we're just... Um, you know, leading a show. If all we do is worship, we're not leading anybody, but we are lead worshipers. I even want you to think about this in the validity. Some There's controversies around this idea of worship concerts. Some people think they don't go together. I like to say this. Here's some opinion. Uh, Christian concerts, in my mind, are better than secular ones. Although I have to say, I enjoyed my cruise where there was a Journey cover band, and I have to say, there was some great music that I enjoyed there. But I can remember growing up, and I would go to concerts like Striper or DeGarmo and Key or Michael W. Smith, or later on in life, maybe even today, you could still do this, go to, to hear Toby Mac. Some people are for that, some are against it. But what finds great controversy is this idea of a worship artist that provides worship concerts. You know, one thought is, I would rather someone be in a worship concert, a good experience, than maybe one with a lot of profanities and bad things going on. But here's the idea. A worship concert might include a show, but if it includes pure, sincere honoring of God, and that's the priority, if that's what's primary, I think it's okay. See, worship includes all of those outward things, but you know what it also includes? A stilling of our life, to be still, to focus on God. To worship him. Worship includes praise, acknowledgments of who God is, but corporately also 
It includes scripture. That's why we do scripture readings as a, as a congregation and we hear preaching of the word. It includes singing. And I don't want us to think that singing a Christian worship song is worship, but it does include that and it includes singing. See, God's call for worship is not an event. It requires our whole body. The Bible describes worship in physical terms. It says we should kneel. Uh, Thanksgiving is like extending a hand. When we worship, we want to lift our voice so we can praise and encourage. We want to use our hands. That might mean clapping in a song or that might mean serving somebody else. That is worship. It involves our attitude, a self-sacrificial approach to honoring God and encouraging and raising another person up. The Bible talks about the tongue as the same instrument in our body that both curses people and praises God. We must use our tongue to praise God. That's a physical feature. Worship is about becoming less. So God can be elevated in his true space of being more. Less of me, God more of you. This is worship. See, steps into worship, things we can do. Uh, We can lean into practicing God's presence every single day. We can enjoy a different variety of approaches to worship. We can prepare our heart to gather in a group. We can be willing to gather in a group. We can cultivate a holy dependency and absorb distractions. But the truth is we need to bring a sacrifice of praise I've talked a little bit about holy expectancy, but worship on the other bookend, if it bookend starts with holy expectancy, it must have the other bookend, and that is obedience. Holy obedience saves worship from being an opiate (laughs) that escapes us from from modern uh, hurts in our life, and it becomes not our own escape, but true lifting up of who God is. Worship, Worship enables us to hear from God. Worship enables us to know God. Worship enables us to make the statement that Isaiah prayerfully made. Lord, here I am. Send me. Listen, if you want to walk with obedience, if you want to walk with great impact, we cannot do it in our own strength, in our own might, or in our own power. We must lift up Jesus as the one true God and honor him and walk in his way. So I'll ask you now if maybe you could use a friend to help you develop the discipline of worship, maybe a coach, or maybe to develop another spiritual discipline in your life. Maybe you just want to know, am I ready for coaching and a partner, maybe spiritually in my business and an area of life? I invite you today to visit yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. Take our free coaching readiness questionnaire. We want to hear from you and we want to partner with you. I'd also be grateful for you to visit yourdiscipleshipcoach.com and follow us on social media. Follow the show at AM 1160 on that website. Follow our podcast. And I also want to invite you to partner with Professional Coach University, who starts some coach training in June. You might want to visit that website and, and learn more. But I want to thank actually both of our sponsors here today, Chicago Indian Church at chicagoindianchurch.com and Professional Coach University. Maximize your potential at Professional Coach University, where you can become a certified coach or invest in yourself through personal development opportunities. Visit professionalcoachuniversity.com. Hey, and start their coaching cohort in June. To my listeners, I say, I am for you. And God 
is for you. And if God is for you, who could be against you? Thank you for listening to Your Discipleship Coach on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Thank you for listening today to Your Discipleship Coach with Michael Smith. We hope you feel encouraged to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. Be sure to follow Michael and Your Discipleship Coach on social media. You'll find the links at yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. And while you're there, you can click the Give Now button to support this show and to provide scholarships to pastors and Christian leaders to receive coaching. To learn more, visit yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. That's yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. Partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.